morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the co-founder and president of the Business of Cannabis. This is B of C Live for Wednesday, July 8th, 2020. BFC Live is a video and podcast production of the Business of Cannabis. Since 2017, through our web, social, video, and podcast channels, as well as real-world and virtual events, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. We encourage you to explore all that we do at businessofcannabis.ca. As a reminder, all B of C Lives are available via podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe and rate us there. Coming up, our weekly insights conversation with Liz Tahura, co-founder and president of BDSA, the official insights partner of Business of Cannabis. She will be talking about all things consumers and edibles. Here's what else we're up to on BFC this week. Well, the province of Ontario giveth and the province of Ontario taketh away. The province gave private retailers the option for e-commerce, delivery orders, curbside delivery at the beginning of this pandemic, but at the end of this month, they apparently are taking it away, which is an important part of the sector right now. So in addition to today's conversation with Lister Hura, we're excited to be partnering with CanDelta on their series of guidance and lessons for current and would-be retailers. We will post a link to the first of this series, which is in written form, uh, when it is updated soon after uh, this post goes live. And it couldn't come at a better time because uh, Ontario retailers and would-be retailers need to have lots of questions answered, and the CanDelta team are the ones to do it as well. Pleased to announce that we have partnered with ICA Washington and Diversity Talk for a Cannabis Forward event at the end of August titled Social Equity and Practice. Look for more information on that event as well as find it and register on our website at businessofcannabis.ca. Tomorrow, our job of the week will be posted from Cannabis at Work, and we'll be joined by Farrell Miller, who will be talking about Urban Green Cannabis Company, a retailer. We'll be talking about their unique value proposition for consumers, the locations they are looking at, and what they hope to deliver uh, very, very soon in terms of a cannabis retail operation. So, as well on Friday, we will have a psychedelics update from our partner publication, Report on Psychedelics, and we'll also be back with our partners at Alcit talking about email security, malware, and how you and your constantly full inbox are a major threat to your own IT security, but your companies as well. We'll talk about that, but also how to protect yourself. As always, follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as on our website at businessofcannabis.ca. Finally, thank you to our partners, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, CanDelta, and BDSA for their ongoing support of Business of Cannabis, and we are supported and protected by our partners at Alcet. Enjoy this conversation with Liz Tahura of BDSA about all things edibles. Enjoy your day. Liz Tahura from BDSA, happy July. Happy July, Jane. Well, we finally made it to July. That's the good news. Um, we did. We check in with you every Wednesday, our partners at BDSA, to hear some deep insights, to learn. It's like class every week in the best possible way. Awesome. Well, uh, excited to join again after a little one-week hiatus. Hope you all had a fabulous Canada Day last week. We did. It was, uh, I feel sort of more red and spending more time outside. It's also been blistering hot, so Canada is melting right now. I love it. I'm a little jealous. You'll get it. I'm sure you'll get it. So what are, what are we talking about today? 
we are going to talk a little more about edibles, one of Great. my favorite topics. Mine too, and they make the summer a lot more enjoyable. So, um, yes, indeed. So what, what, what specifically? Uh, well, let me go ahead and pop in my screen here. Sure. Yeah, I just wanted to take a little glance into some of the major trends that we're seeing in edibles and uh, just thoughts as we move forward into the summer. Um, and, you know, really first and foremost, uh, I want to start and set the stage uh, a little bit. So, you know, and, and we've mentioned these numbers before, but always good to come back to them and, and reiterate. We are seeing that over 63% of legally aged adults in Canada are either Canada, or excuse me, either cannabis consumers or uh, what we call acceptors, um, which some other folks will call, you know, canna curious, or those who are open to consuming in the future. Uh, between acceptors and consumers, that acceptance rate has gone up about 10 points in the past two years, which is quite significant. Uh, so we're really seeing a mainstreaming and a normalization of cannabis in general. And we're seeing this across all consumer groups, right? So there are certainly some consumer myths and, and stigmas around who consumes cannabis and why they consume. Um, and, and one of the things that we at BDSA like to do is kind of bust some of those myths. And um, actually in, in future weeks, we can jump into some of those, Jay, those from some pretty fun myths to get into and Perfect. talk about. Uh, but just in general, you know, good to remember that, that consu cannabis consumption uh, does break across demographics, it breaks across socioeconomic status, it breaks across types of consumers, reasons of consumption. Um, and with the advent of 2.0, and edibles and beverages really in particular, um, are really going to continue to help that normalization and that acceptance um, in Canada, of course, and globally as well, but you know, of course, specifically in Canada. And we've talked a little bit about uh, the uniqueness of cannabis before, uh, but, but also, again, just a reminder that cannabis really is unique in, um, in that it does span so many use cases and need states. So not just across different consumer types, but even within the same consumer, they're gonna be consuming for different reasons, different need states um, and different purposes at different points in time. So the same consumer may consume a, um, a cannabis beverage, uh, let's say at a Canada Day barbecue to relax and unwind. <laughs> Uh, on, a, on a Wednesday afternoon if they don't have work or uh, consume a gummy on a Friday night to Netflix and chill. Um, but they also may be consuming um, edibles or, or cannabis products, a tincture in the morning to uh, mitigate a migraine, perhaps. Um, or all the way, of course, ranging to the spectrum of fully medical and, and fully um, sort of um, health and benefit related use cases all the way to the most extreme of uh, the, the typical example of a cancer patient, patient utilizing cannabis as medicine. Uh, but just really important to remember that there's such a wide spectrum of use cases and reasons for uh, consuming cannabis and driving a lot of those, uh, those growth um, aspects and those growth prospects is the functional benefits people are seeking when they consume cannabis. Um, and so it's really interesting to kind of dive into what those benefits are and kind of what those, those motivations are behind those consumptions. And again, important for cannabis as a whole, but I think especially interesting when we think about it through the lens of um, edibles and beverages. 
So as we've mentioned uh, before, um, and then talked about our partners over at IRI and some of their data, um, really fun to get that mainstream and sort of general market perspective uh, to frame up and to set alongside the cannabis specific insights and data um, and really put the industry and the market into context of uh, the rest of consumers' behavior. Because of course, consumers aren't just cannabis consumers or consumers in general. Um, and their cannabis consumption interacts and sits alongside with all of their other uh, consumption, whether it be food and beverage or, or other types of, of products and industries. Uh, really interesting when we take a step back and think about not even thinking about cannabis here now, just thinking about non-infused food and beverages, so typical food and beverages. Um, IRI has found that over about 40% of consumers say that food is just as powerful as medication and that they utilize food and beverage as a medic medication or as a health and wellness aid. Um, so pretty interesting and, and I think um, pretty um, not quite surprising given the, the functional benefits consumers are, are seeking through those, uh, those foods and beverages. Um, so we've got just kind of a, a few examples up here on the slide of, of things um, outside of cannabinoids um, that consumers think about in terms of their health benefits and their functional benefits. Uh, when we set cannabinoids into that, into that lens and think of them as just another functional ingredient in the food or beverages that consumers are choosing to, uh, to interact with or ch choosing to consume, um, it really does start to be interesting to think about it in, the, in that lens. So thinking about beverages specifically, uh, you think about uh, consumers think, uh, utilizing coffee in the morning to energize uh, or focus, or chamomile tea in the evening to relax and unwind, uh, sports drinks, uh, energy drinks. You know, really easy to see how consumers are already thinking about the way they consume uh, beverages and, and food as a um, as an very focused experience and for a particular need state or, or reason. Um, so again, um, easy to see how cannabinoids, not just THC and CBD, but CBG, CBN, THCA, et cetera, et cetera, as we start to widen the spectrum, um, can really fit into these existing habits and ex expectations for these consumer experiences. So looking at the US, because uh, you know we like to make uh, comparisons and, and think about kind of what lies ahead uh, for Canada, uh, thinking about those, what we call those U.S. level one states. So this, again, the fully legal um, adult use plus medical states. Uh, we do see that over 70% of cannabis consumers in those markets currently consume edibles. Um, and in fact, about a third uh, state that edibles are their preferred method of consumption. So factors that are contributing to that preference um, include convenience, discrete product format, familiar product format. So again, thinking back to tying back to those um, functional aspects and functional uh, ingredients in other products that they're familiar with. Um, healthier consumption method than inhalables also um, is a strong indicator um, and, and a preference dri or a driver of preference. Uh, but there are still some issues with consuming edibles or consuming ingestibles. Um, a big one being long-term onset. Um, another one being inconsistent experience. Um, so both of those together can, uh, can drive consumers away from the edibles category. Um, if they're not sure how they're going to react to the product or what kind of an experience they're gonna have from 
um, one consumption to another, uh, that's going to uh, going to negatively impact their repeat consumption of said products. Uh, and another big one, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here, is poor taste. Um, you know, the, the taste is important, and especially for driving that repeat consumption. Uh, consistently raised as one of the most, if not the most important factor um, in choosing a cannabis edible. So also interesting to look at that group of acceptors. So these are the folks that are not yet consuming cannabis or not currently consuming cannabis, but are open to it in the future. So again, those kind of curious folks who are potentially on the fence. Um, again, in the US, just to keep things consistent, um, really interesting to see and probably not surprising, about half of those cannabis acceptors say that they would consider um, edibles in the future and significantly more so than inhalables. Um, again, the, health, the uh, health factor is a big one here uh, with the perception that consuming edibles is healthier uh, than consuming um, an inhalable product format. So now let's take a look at the Canadian market and see how we stack up. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, an interesting thing here in, in Canada, um, access to legal edibles, as we know, and drinkables is relatively new, uh, but access to the illicit market products is more established. Uh, so, so we're seeing perhaps some remnants of that, of that in these early 2020 numbers. Uh, and it'll be very, very interesting to watch these numbers through the second half of the year and of course into 2021 as the legal uh, 2.0 products become more established and more widespread. Uh, we do see a smaller number overall of cannabis acceptors in Canada. So then again, these are those folks who are not currently consuming, but say, yeah, maybe I'd be open to it in the future. Uh, same or very similar barriers to entry that we're seeing in the US. So concerns about safety of the product, consistency of the experience, um, and then a very often and very highly cited reason, it does not fit my current lifestyle. Um, that one in particular, we see as a big opportunity for the edibles and beverages category to convince those consumers that are on the fence that cannabinoids and THC, CBD um, are another functional ingredient that does in fact align with their current experience with other functional ingredients that they're already familiar with um, and can in fact fit into, let's say, that cup of chamomile tea that they're drinking in the evening to relax and unwind or perhaps that, uh, that cup of coffee that they're having in the morning to energize and focus. And then of course, um, not to be left out, uh, that, that beverage that we drink on a Friday or a Saturday afternoon uh, for social and recreational purposes. So we are seeing this play out in Canada already. Some positive movement on the, on the, the edibles front in terms of percent of consumers um, who do state that they're consuming um, edibles as a, as a format. So since the launch of 2.0, uh, we've seen the percentage of cannabis consumers that claim to consume edibles uh, increase significantly. So from 50% to about 57%, close to two thirds. Um, again, remembering that 70% from the US does state that there's still room to grow uh, this, uh, this overall consumption rate. So product preferences, of course, uh, we looked at this a couple weeks ago and talked about the fact that inhalables are still the number one preferred format for current cannabis consumers, um, although edibles are increasing uh, directionally, while inhalables stay pretty stable in 2020. 
Um, edibles in Canada are getting close to the U.S. rate. So in the U.S., it's about 33 to 35% of U.S. consumers who state that they prefer edibles as their preferred format. Um, and then here in Canada, it's about, uh, about 30% right now. Also interesting to note, and this again is stated preference, not by, uh, by sales total. So this is what, what consumers say that they prefer to consume. Uh, to see gummy candy jumping up to the top of that list in Canada specifically, baked goods number two and chocolates number three. Uh, pretty similar to what we see in the US, interestingly enough, and, and we can chat a little bit about the difference between sales numbers and, and preference, um, in particularly uh, as it relates to baked goods, which is pretty interesting. Um, baked goods seeming to remain firmly in the do-it-yourself category um, as compared to purchasing, uh, purchasing pre-packaged or, or pre-made uh, uh, products. So diving just a little bit further into edibles in general and what trends we're seeing again in the U.S. Um, and starting to emerge in Canada that we can start to make some predictions and then some implications about what we're going to see um, in the Canadian market through the second half of 2020. One of the big ones to call out is the idea of low and microdose edibles. Um, now, of course, the dosing restrictions uh, does play into this for products that are purchased within the legal market. But if, remember, again, uh, that cannabis consumers, um, of course, are not necessarily consuming exclusively products that they obtain from the legal and regulated market. So it's so really interesting, even in Canada, to see the stated preferences for uh, strength of product uh, within their, of course, THC-based products. So almost half of Canada consumers prefer their edibles or drinkables to have 10 milligrams or less per serving. Uh, and 32% of those say they prefer actually five milligrams or less. So what we would consider at BDSA to be a microdose. Um, another, I think it's a small number on the screen, but a big number in terms of importance is that 21% of consumers who state that they don't know what their preference is. Uh, and now these are the consumers that are especially susceptible to um, some of the challenges and barriers that we talked about earlier in terms of consistency of experience or expectation of the experience um, and making sure that they have a positive overall experience with their product. Um, a few other trends to call out uh, that I think are important that we're watching. Um, of course, we talked already about functional benefits and we talked about low and microdose um, here. Uh, sessionable and, and the ability to layer impacts plays in especially strong with beverages. Uh, so as we watch through the summer, uh, the advent of and presumably the, the increase in sales in the beverage category, this is going to be very important, um, as well as quick onset and quick offset. Um, again, hugely important with beverages and any kind of sessionable products uh, that consumers are looking or hoping to mirror the experience of, say, a, an alcoholic beverage or something that's going to provide them with a relaxant and uh, and sort of social aspect to their, to their uh, consumption. Another couple of trends that I think are worth calling out and especially worth paying attention to as we watch new products come into the market in Canada, uh, one being elevated tastes and flavors. So again and again, we see consumers state that taste flavor is one of their top influencers for purchase. Uh, so just like with general CBD categories, just kind of like with anything you're going to uh, consume, 
if the taste isn't there, uh, the repeat consumption and the repeat purchase isn't going to be there. So really hard to underestimate or overestimate how difficult or how important taste and flavor is to that, uh, to that influential um, of, of, of consumption. Um, another one in that we do want to call out is CBD in particular. So I know we talked a lot about CBD last week, Jay, uh, but uh, CBD is not just for those who are looking for a completely non-intoxicant effect. Um, again, in the U.S., we're seeing companies with great success mixing CBD as a functional benefit and combining it with THC and other cannabinoids to, pr to produce a really specific and consistent experience. Um, and that does bring us to kind of the last trend that I want to talk about, very important, which is that elevated and thus consistent experience. Um, so elevated in terms of expected results um, and also in terms of, again, consistency and feeling confident that a uh, consumer knows what to expect when consuming a product. So every time they pop a, uh, a CBD beverage, they know the more or less the type and the duration of the impacts they're going to get similar with a gummy or a chocolate um, consistency, not just in the experience of the intoxicant effects or the relaxation effects, uh, but also in terms of taste and flavor, making sure that, uh, that they feel that they're getting a quality product with each and every time they are consuming that same product. Uh, we've talked and looked recently at Colorado specifically in terms of edibles. And I wanted to pull it back just a little bit um, just we were talking about the U.S. as a whole, um, and look at our combined U.S. numbers. Um, U.S. market today, you know, edibles do represent about 15% of total sales. Uh, so numbers you've probably heard me quoting before, driven by candy, candy driven by gummies, as we know. Mm -hmm. uh, market share for edibles across the U.S. has remained relatively flat around that 15% um, over the past couple years. Uh, but sales, of course, have grown as the market has grown or has grown, so somewhere around 20% of year-over-year growth um, comparatively. Uh, compare that to early sales in Canada, um, we see some interesting differences. So edibles do currently make up a smaller percentage of the total market in Canada, more in the 10 to 12% range. Uh, within edibles, we're also seeing some differences, and particularly in terms of candy um, and specifically gummies, of course. Uh, so we see a larger share of edible sales coming from beverages, uh, a larger share coming from really all categories, uh, with chocolate being the largest share currently. Uh, although that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out in Q3, as we see some of these challenges with shipping and fulfillment logistics uh, with chocolate. You know, that Alberta uh, yeah. recently uh, noted that they're going to be uh, pausing or suspending some other chocolate sales due to because of the weather. Yes, <laughs> the weather. You know, interestingly enough, we see the same dynamic playing out in Arizona. Oh, um, very, very, of course, classically desert, uh, desert climate in Arizona, and year-round uh, we do see a lower percent sales or low, lower share of sales uh, for chocolates within that state. So, you know, all things held consistent. Um, those outside factors do really play a role um, in terms of, of sales. Um, I said it before and I'll say it again, candy remains a significant growth opportunity for the Canadian market. Um, and looking at those edible purchase influencers, thinking about that opportunity, um, you know, taste and flavor, number one, um, again, can't be emphasized enough how important that is um, in consumer purchasing dynamics. 
And then price, of course, is always going to be interesting um, and important. And then the is a brand I've used before. Um, also interesting, you know, tying it back, Jay, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, a case study in Colorado of a, of a chocolates company that expanded out into the, the gummies category. Uh, and I think that that's another interesting one for some of these Canadian markets or Canadian companies to think about is leveraging the, the brand identity um, and the brand equity that's been built from the flower and pre-rolls into some of these other um, extraneous categories into these 2.0 categories. Um, final point, just kind of bringing it back out to the 40,000 foot view. Um, and again, we've talked about these numbers before. Uh, but as a reminder, the US, or the, excuse me, the BDSA prediction or forecast for Canadian sales is about 6.4 billion by 2025. And if you think about edibles taking up around 15 to 20% of, um, of that market share, you know, we're talking about a billion dollar plus market by 2025 within the edibles category. Um, and potentially significantly more upside as there certainly are, uh, Predictions and theories that that 2.0 could, could be an even larger percentage of sales um, in Canada um, as some of these categories, in particular the beverage and the gummies categories, continue to expand their footprint um, and expand into, again, not just the current cannabis consumers, but those acceptors that we've talked about earlier. We're sitting on the fence, the can of curious, um, who can increase not just share of pie, but the total pie overall. So um, as per usual, I end by saying uh, big opportunities ahead, um, although important to pay attention again to, to those trends and, and what is actually uh, influencing these consumer purchasing dynamics. Um, and with, that, with edibles in particular, you know, this idea of functional beverages, functional ingredients, functional aspects to, uh, to the experience. Um, I think really does tie to, again, not just those current consumers, but, but equally, if not more importantly, bringing those new consumers into the space. It's fascinating. I, I was, as you were talking, I was, I was, this is not the way, I mean, maybe it is the way sort of proper marketers do it, but, but the Venn diagram that you, you were describing a Venn diagram, right? That's like, here are the people that are, are using it all the time, of course. Um, here are the acceptors. Uh, on a different piece of data is, here are people that believe food is sort of functional and can, can lead to health, right? And you need it to taste good. And low dose, there's lots of opportunity there, especially for the acceptors. Like you, you start to add on and doesn't melt in hot weather. Like that's a sort of different factor, but also all those things and the overall market size and what's likely to grow and where the market is now. And this is sort of the third or fourth conversation in a row that to me is, is quite bullish on the industry here in Canada in terms of overall, in terms of, you can call it green space or blue sky, take your pick, but there are these unique products, unique market segments that are actually waiting to be honed in on. And, and we, we know that there aren't sort of, of course there are big players here, but the, but consumers are still relatively new in this space and actually capturing those is possible and doable by looking at data, obviously understanding what's happened in other markets and like, I, I just put 14 yellow stickies on my board because I just like, I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously us too. And I think that's, that's such a great takeaway, Jay, and a good conclusion um, that, you know, while it's not unlimited growth, 
there is a lot of potential if you if you think about the market and, and identify these white space opportunities and then really think smart as well as think big. Yeah, and I mean, I think the other part is that on the regulatory side that factors into this is there may be an opportunity for retailers of, of, a, of a big enough scale to have their own products on the shelves when regulations allow it, right? So you could be a national retailer, be a national brand, have national products that are in your stores and others. Like it just, there's lots of opportunities and, and we've seen it, we talked about, I think last week or two weeks ago, the idea that there are more and more companies now that are really white labeling, right? Either brands that are coming in from the US or other places, or you don't need to have the full suite of licenses to cultivate and extract and put products on the shelves. You can really hone in on a product and go to a contract manufacturer for gummies or beverages or something else. And, and it's, it's gonna be a very exciting time, certainly between now and 2025. But I even think, as you were saying, Q3 and Q4 and into sort of 2021. Yeah, absolutely. I think really interesting times ahead. Um, and yeah, it will be very interesting to start to see, you know, in the U.S., it was sort of the opposite trend where we started with a lot of very specialized companies, you know, a, a company that made chocolate bars specifically, a company that made gummies specifically, a company that uh, made pre-rolls and, and bulk flour specifically. Um, and in the U.S., we've watched those, those companies now expand into their multiple product lines, just like we talked about a few weeks ago. And it does seem to be a bit of the opposite trend or the opposite end of the spectrum in Canada where they're starting much wider, um, and it will be interesting to see how many or if some of these companies start to really specialize um, and become, you know, really known for a certain segment of the market, and then really diving into that uh, that that segment with uh, with Gusto. Yeah, it's different to coming out the but coming to the same perspective where you create really good products for very specific audiences, and that is um, that's going to be exciting to watch to talk about, and it's of course data driven, or at least it should be. Um, so as always, this has been enlightening for me, an audience of one, right on. But I know, I know our audience is, is appreciating all of this because it helps think about sort of where the market is going, how to shape it. So Liz Tahura from BDSA, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. We'll see you next week. Alrighty. Thanks, Liz.